Welcome to Zikhu Dafsi Mani Memor by Avram Goldhai and today Mazekos Ksubis Dapevav. The ninth pair Kakos Vuishto and the one thousandth blot in this Dafyomi Machzer. The Zikhu Mazekos Ksubis program has been generously sponsored as a schus for Hakazaka Satoyah. So the three times we're going to focus on number one, Shmuel said, If a creditor sells a loan document to another and afterwards he forgives the debt, the debt is forgiven and the buyer of the star can no longer collect it. Rush explains on the previous duff that the borrower can refuse to pay on the grounds that he's not his litigant. But feel yours, Moreover, after the seller's death, even his heir can forgive the debt. Rav Hunabrein Rav Yeshua said, if the purchaser of the debt is clever, he should rattle some coins in front of him, meaning offer the borrower some money before the seller forgives a loan, and have the borrower write a new star in his own name. Rush explains that this prevents the lender and debtor from depriving the purchaser of the loan by forgiving it since he has a direct claim now against the debtor. Amemar said, Man dine de garmi, magbe made the star The one who judges the din of garmi, which Rush explains, is the view that one is higher for causing a loss to another even without physically damaging his property will make the seller pay on account of voiding the star the value within the star, whereas the one who does not judge the din of garmi will make the seller pay the value the paper is written on, which is another way of saying he pays nothing. Pointing to Rav Kahana said to Rav Papa, according to your opinion, the Prius Balchov mitzvah, that paying a creditor is merely a mitzvah, what is the law if the debtor says he does not want to do the mitzvah? Rapapa holds that Midaraisa, a debtor's properties, are not automatically mortgaged to his creditor. Rather, as Rashi explains, the debtor is obligated to pay his creditor only because the Torah obligates him to keep his word. Rapapa replied that we learned in Abraisa, in what regard is this ruling? That one receives 40 lashes for violating a Daraisa? But mitzvahs losase, in regard to violating a negative mitzvah. But with regard to mitzvahs ase, such as where we tell someone, make a sukkah, and he doesn't make one, or make a lulav, and he doesn't make one, makinoso adshetetse nafsha, we beat him until his soul leaves. Rashi explains that we do not let him violate the mitzvah, but beat him while he still has time to fulfill it. Similarly, we force the debtor to fulfill the mitzvah to repay the loan. The Rishonim explained that we coerce him by confiscating the amount he owes. And pointing with you, the next Mishnah states, Hamoshis as ishto chenvanis o shemina apitropia. If one sets up his wife as a storekeeper, or he appointed her as an administrator of his business, he may impose an oath on her whatever he wants. Rabbi Eliezer says, Even concerning her spindle or her dough, he may impose an oath. The Gemara said, Rabbi Eliezer said he may impose an oath regarding her spindle or dough as a Gilgal Shvua, an oath that is rolled onto another oath but cannot be made independently, or even that a person could make such an oath initially. The Gemara sought to bring a proof from a bracer where they said to Rabbi Eliezer, a person cannot live with a snake in a basket. Now, it makes sense that they said this if he holds that he can make her swear lechachila, but if not, why should it bother her? The Gemara answer is that even as part of a Gilgal Shvur, she could say, since you check after me to such an extent, I'm unable to live with you. The Gemara brings another bracer to prove that Rebbe Ezra holds that the oath can be made lechachila. So once again, the three points are number one. Shmuel said, if a creditor sells a loan document to another and afterwards he forgives the debt, the debt is forgiven and the buyer of the star can no longer collect it. Rush explains on the previous duff that the borrower can refuse to pay on the grounds that he's not his litigant. But feel yourish, Moreover, after the seller's death, even his heir can forgive the debt. Rav Hunabrein Rav Yeshua said, If the purchaser of the debt is clever, he should rattle some coins in front of him, meaning offer the borrower some money before the seller forgives a loan, and have the borrower write a new star in his own name. 
Rush explains that this prevents the lender and debtor from depriving the purchaser of the loan by forgiving it since he has a direct claim now against the debtor. Amemar said, The one who judges the din of Garmi, which Rush explains, is the view that one is hired for causing a loss to another even without physically damaging his property will make the seller pay on account of voiding the star the value within the star, whereas the one who does not judge the din of Garmi will make the seller pay the value the paper is written on, which is another way of saying he pays nothing. Pointing to Rav Kahana said to Rav Papa, according to your opinion, the Prius Balchov mitzvah, that paying a creditor is merely a mitzvah, what is the law if the debtor says he does not want to do the mitzvah? Rav Papa holds that Midaraisa, a debtor's properties, are not automatically mortgaged to his creditor. Rather, as Rashi explains, the debtor is obligated to pay his creditor only because the Torah obligates him to keep his word. Rapapa replied that we learned in a brisa, in what regard is this ruling? That one receives 40 lashes for violating a derisa? But mitzvahs losase, in regard to violating a negative mitzvah. But with regard to mitzvahs ase, such as where we tell someone, make a sukkah, and he doesn't make one, or make a lulav, and he doesn't make one, makinoso achetetse nafsha, we beat him until his soul leaves. Rashi explains that we do not let him violate the mitzvah, but beat him while he still has time to fulfill it. Similarly, we force the debtor to fulfill the mitzvah to repay the loan. The Rishonim explained that we coerce him by confiscating the amount he owes. And pointing with you, the next Mishnah states, If one sets up his wife as a storekeeper, or he appointed her as an administrator of his business, he may impose an oath on her whatever he wants. Rabbi Eliezer says, Even concerning her spindle or her dough, he may impose an oath. The Gemara asks if Rabbi Eliezer said he may impose an oath regarding her spindle or dough as a Gilgal Shvua, an oath that is rolled onto another oath but cannot be made independently, or even that a person could make such an oath initially. The Gemara sought to bring a proof from a Brisa where they said to Rabbi Eliezer, a person cannot live with a snake in a basket. Now, it makes sense that they said this if he holds that he can make her swear lechachila, but if not, why should it bother her? The Quran answer is that even as part of the Gilgal Shvu, she could say, since you check after me to such an extent, I'm unable to live with you. The Quran brings another bracelet to prove that Rebbe Leezer holds that the oath can be made lechachila. All right, so now we go to our simmer dot vav, and our standard simon is police. Police. So here goes. The debt police who were trying to calm down an irate purchaser of a loan that the lender subsequently forgave, telling him that paying back a loan is merely a mitzvah, rushed over to deal with a domestic dispute where a wife was calling her husband a snake for making her take a shavuot with chadchila on her spindle and dough. Once again, it's slow motion. The debt police police. That must mean we're on duff. Pay vav. The debt police who were trying to calm down an irate purchaser of a loan that the lender subsequently forgave, which reminds us, Shmuel said, If a creditor sells a loan document to another and afterwards he forgives the debt, the debt is forgiven and the buyer of the star can no longer collect it. But feel your moreover, after the seller's death, even his heir can forgive the debt. Rafuna Bereda Yeshua said that if the purchaser of the debt is a pikeach, if he's clever, he should offer the borrower some money before the seller forgives the loan and have the borrower write a new star in his own name. Rashi explains that this prevents the lender and debtor from depriving the purchaser of the loan by forgiving it since he has a direct claim now against the debtor. So the debt police who are trying to calm down an irate purchaser of a loan that the lender subsequently forgave, telling him that paying back a loan is merely a mitzvah, which reminds me of Kapuna said to Papa, according to your opinion, that Prius Balkhov mitzvah, that paying a creditor is merely a mitzvah, what is the law if the debtor says he does not want to do the mitzvah? Rapapa holds that Midaraisa, a debtor's properties are not automatically mortgaged to his creditor. Rather, as Rush explains, the debtor is obligated to pay his creditor only because the Torah obligates him to keep his word. 
But Papa brought a price regarding giving Malkus to teach that we force the debtor to fulfill the mitzvah to repay the loan, meaning that we coerce him by confiscating the amount he owes. So the debt police were trying to calm down an irate purchaser of a loan that the lender subsequently forgave, telling him that paying back a loan is merely a mitzvah, rushed over to deal with the domestic dispute where a wife is calling her husband a snake for making her take a shvul lechadchila on her spindle and dough, which reminds us. The next mission states, If one sets up his wife as a storekeeper or he appointed her as an administrator of his business, he may impose an oath on her whenever he wants. Rebogazu says, Even concerning her spindle or her dough, he may impose an oath. Gemara asks, if Rebogazu said he may impose an oath regarding her spindle or dough as a Gilgal Shvua, an oath that's rolled onto another oath but cannot be made independently, or even a Chirchila, that a person could make such an oath. The more brings a price to the proof that Rebbe holds that the oath can be made with Chachila. So once again, the debt police were trying to calm down an irate purchaser of a loan that the lender subsequently forgave, telling him that paying back a loan is merely a mitzvah, rushed over to deal with a domestic dispute where a wife was calling her husband a snake for making her take a shvul Chachila on her spindle and dough. Mazel tov, everyone, for winning the 1,000th simon that we made for Shas, helping us remember a total of 3,000 topics organized in our mind, daf by daf, from our beginning daf base in brachas over two and a half years ago, to now reaching daf pei in Ksubis. 1,000 simani for 1,000 days straight. May you continue to go. Machal chao, and take pleasure that you're part of this historic effort to transform the daf yomi experience and raise the bar where Lomde daf yomi are able to remember the daf day after day, after weeks, after months, and after years. All right, so now it's time for four blah blah Hazara. Daf Pei Base. So the simmer Daf Pei Base is peanut butter. So here goes. The peanut butter-loving Yavam. Peanut butter? That must be more Daf Pei Base. The peanut butter-loving Yavam, who told his suspicious younger brother that he could divide his deceased brother's estate from now, which, which reminds us, an incident is brought with two brothers in Masmachasi where a distrustful younger brother wanted to give the Yavam a get in order to prevent the Yavam from acquiring the whole estate as he had heard that Rav Yosef ruled that an offer to split the estate would not be effective. The Yavim told him, If you want, divide the estate for yourself from now. The Yavim reasoned that since he could divide the estate after doing Yibam, it would also be effective to have his brother make a Kenyan now with the intention to only acquire the estate after Yibam. Marba Ravashi said it's not in the Yavim's power to split the estate before the Yibam is performed. So the peanut butter-loving Yavim, who told his suspicious younger brother that he could divide his deceased brother's estate from now... Divorces Yavam with a get because she messed up his peanut butter sandwiches and then ended up remarrying her, which reminds us the Mishnah had said that if the Yavam married the Yavama, she is considered his full wife. But Yosef Rebbechina said that the Mishnah is coming to teach that he may divorce with a get and take her back as a wife. The Gemara explains why we might have thought that he has to do chalitza with her and would not be permitted to take her back as a wife. So the peanut butter-loving Yavam, who told his suspicious younger brother that he could divide his deceased brother's estate from now, divorces Yavam with a get because she messed up his peanut butter sandwiches and then ended up remarrying her, writing in the Ksuba that all his possessions, including his peanut farm, are pledged to her Ksuba. Which reminds us, the Gemara explains why Shimon Shatach instituted that the husband write to his wife, All my possessions are pledged to her Ksuba. Rush explains that this was an effective deterrent to divorce. Daf Pei Gimel, so the simmer Daf Pei Gimel is a pogo stick. So here goes. The pogo stick chant, pogo stick, that must be on Daf Pei Gimel. 
The pogo stick champ who wrote to his wife, would jump high to eat the apples right off the tree, which reminds us of the opening mission of the ninth parak states, if one writes to his wife, I have no claim or argument with respect to your property, referring to her yorsha. he may nevertheless eat the produce during her lifetime, and if she dies, he inherits it. If so, why did you write, I have no claim or argument with respect to your property? She kayim. So that if she sold it or gave it away, the transaction stands. So the pogo stick champ who wrote to his wife, would jump high to eat the apples right off the tree, telling the rabbis down below he didn't want to avail himself of their takanas chachamim, which reminds us, the word challenges whether making such a declaration is effective for what was taught in Abraisa. If one makes a similar statement to his friend, who is a partner in owning a field, he hasn't said anything. But she explains that these statements are not an expression that he's giving the field to his partner as a gift. So why should the husband's declaration work? The Gemara answers the husband's waiver is effective because of Rabbi Oda Arusa. When he writes to her while she's still in Arusa, and this is in accordance with what Rabbi said, If one says, I do not wish to avail myself of a rabbinic takana made for my benefit, such as this, we listen to him, for it doesn't apply where the beneficiary refuses it. So the pogo stick champ who wrote to his wife, would jump high to eat the apples right off the tree, telling the rabbis down below he did not want to avail himself of their takanas chachamim, until he got a stomachache from eating this way and eventually wrote, I have no claim but pero pero sen, adolam. Which reminds us, Rabbi Huda says the husband always retains rights to consume the peros of the peros, the produce of the produce, unless he writes to her, I have no claim or argument in your property or its produce, or to the produce of its produce to infinity. The Gemara asks why Rabbi Huda included in the husband's renunciation both the phrase the produce of the produce and to infinity, which seems redundant. And the Gemara brings three possible ways of understanding the statement. Daf Pei Dalad, so the similar Daf Pei Dalad is a launch pad. So here goes. The astronaut who kept the deposit and loan given to him in his rocket ship on his launch pad, launch pad, that must be on Daf Pei Dalad. The astronaut who kept the deposit and loan given to him in his rocket ship on his launch pad was surrounded by his deceased creditor's wife, Balchovan Yorshin, which reminds us, the next mission states, If someone died and left a wife, a creditor, and heirs, all making claims on his estate, and he had a deposit and a loan in the possession of others, Rabbi Tarfan says, They shall be given to the weakest among them. Rabbi says, We are not merciful in deciding the halacha. Rather, the property should be given to the Yorshin, for all of them referring to the widow and the Balchov required an oath before they can collect, whereas the Yorshin do not require an oath. The Gemara explains why the Mishnah mentioned both cases of a deposit and a loan. So the astronaut who kept the deposit and loan given to him in his rocket ship on his launch pad was surrounded by his deceased creditor's wife, Balchov and Yorshin, who were fighting over who was the weakest to collect. Which reminds us, the Gemara asks what Rabbi Tarfa means that the property is given to the weakest among them. Rabbi Yosef Rechina said, it's given to the one with the weakest proof, which is the one who has the most recently dated star, since he cannot collect from properties that were sold before the date of the star. And Rabbi Yochanan said, it's designated to the woman's ksuba because of favor. Rashi explains that she's considered weaker because it's not a woman's way to investigate what were the holdings of the deceased and find land from which to collect. So the astronaut who kept the deposit and loan given to him in his rocket ship on his launch pad was surrounded by his deceased creditor's wife, Balchov and Yorshin, who were fighting over who was the weakest to collect. When suddenly the wife snatched some detached fruit to cover the value of her ksuba and gave the surplus 
to the Bachov. Which reminds us, the Mishnah taught that if the deceased left detached produce from the ground, whoever is first to seize it gains possession of it. If they gain more than what was owed to him, Hamosa, the surplus, is given, according to Rabbi Tarifon, to the weakest among them, whereas Rabbi Kiva says it's given to the Yorshin since they do not require an oath to collect. The Gemara says, according to Rabbi Kiva, seizing is effective when the creditor sees the property during the father's lifetime. Daf Pehei. So the similar Daf Pehei is a dentist. So here goes. Tobia, the wealthy dentist. Dentist? That must be more Daf Pehei mouth. Tobia, the wealthy dentist who refused to give the start to the patient Shaliach, who paid for a cleaning, claiming he still owed money for a filling, which reminds us that Gemara brings a case where the Shaliach pays the debt on behalf of a debtor, but is not given the star, as the creditor says that there was another debt owed that was a milva alpeh, and they're keeping the monies for that debt. The Gemara clarifies that if there are no aiding, the creditors are believed, based on amigo, and the shliach must pay the debtor because he worsened the situation. So, Tovia, the wealthy dentist, who refused to give the star to the patient shliach, who paid for a cleaning, claiming he still owed money for a filling, was about to leave the office to pick up a silver cup he had deposited by another patient who just died, which reminds us, there was a certain person who deposited a silver cup with Chassa, and then Chassa died without leaving any final instructions regarding the property in his possession. The depositor in Chassa's heirs came before Rav Nachman, for the heirs claimed that the cup might have belonged to their father. Rav Nachman said to them, Firstly, I know that Chassa was not wealthy enough to have owned a silver cup, and furthermore, the claimant gave a simon, which proves that the cup is his. So, Tobia, the wealthy dentist, who refused to give the star to the patient Shaliach, who paid for a cleaning, claiming he still owed money for a filling, was about to leave the office to pick up a silver cup he had deposited by another patient who just died, when he just heard the news that another patient just bequeathed all of his property to a Tobia. Which reminds the more discusses a case where a certain man said before his death, next time with Tobia, my properties are hereby bequeathed to Tobia, but he didn't indicate which Tobia he meant. Alright, so now it's time to conclude their pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one. Which stuff do you when the one who says or writes to his wife, Din Udvarim Enli Benachasayach, can still eat the produce and inherits the property if she dies? That's on Duff. Pay Gimel. Good. Number two. Which stuff do you when that the Yavam is considered the Yavam's wife in that he divorces her with a get and he can remarry her? That's on Duff. Pay base. Good. Number three. Which something when that if a creditor sells a loan document to another and afterwards he forgives the debt, the debt is forgiven and the purchaser cannot collect it. That's on Duff. Payvav. Good number four. Which stuff we have a case where the shulich paid a debt but was not given the star because the debtor owed a side debt. That's on Duff. Payhey. Good number five. Which of the one, what if a debtor does not want to pay a coin to a papa who holds Prius Balchov mitzvah? That's on Duff. Good number six. Which stuff do you know that if the wife seized possessions of the deceased husband's property and there was a surplus, their surplus is given to the Balchov. That's on Duff. Pay dollar. Good number seven. Which stuff do you know that we listen to someone who says, I do not want to avail myself of the Chamim's Takana that was made for his benefit. That's on Duff. Pay Gimel. Good number eight. Which stuff be the case of a dying man who bequeathed all his property to a Tuvia without specifying which Tuvia? That's on Duff. Pay. Good number nine. Which something with one sets of his wife as a chenvanis, or he appointed her as an apotropia. Rabbi Yazir holds he can impose an oath even on her spindle or dough. That's on Duff. Pay. Good. And number ten. Which stuff do you discuss why the Mishnah listed both the deposit and a loan in the hands of another that are being contested by a wife, a Balchov, and the Yorshin? That's on Duff. 
Pay Dollar. Excellent. That concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Ramgold from Zikwish. A great day and great learning.